31, but we are here, back in it. Live number two, or two. Jackie, I really feel, I feel now is the moment where we would have done a Tuesday Night Live jingle had we had one, and I just looked to you expecting you to have it, but Tuesday work in night progress. Night, get well, it right, uh, uh, Tuesday Night Live, uh, uh, get it right, get it uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> We're so excited tonight to be joined by Elizabeth Johnson from the Opportunity Agenda. Um, she is the outreach and editorial director there. So thanks for being with us, Elizabeth. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. She's a lady that's normally behind the camera, but today yeah, look at her. True. My first her. podcast, actually. Well, Facebook Live slash podcast. What? <laughs> Cool. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to start kick this off by asking. So I'm going to ask you first, Hannah, what's what's good in the hood? What's going on? Lots of potty training. Um, I got a little cocky and I thought it was going great. And now we've really all regressed, including the four year old. So potty training, too. Now um, I may or may not have poison ivy. Um, I showered today, though, so that's good. How about you guys? <laughs> what's good in your hood, Jackie? Um, still lots of pettiness. As you guys know, I have a teenager who is not prepubescent, but definitely pubescent. And you can tell from his attitude and his pimples <laughs> that he is just going through some things. Uh, my littlest citizen has taken up um, living in her closet, which is fun, right? For a child to disappear and you don't know that they're living in their closet. Um, uh, and what else, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? I got sun today. I too showered last night. Uh -huh. That counts. <laughs> to me, that's like in the umbrella of today. That is within the last 48 hours. <laughs> my body has touched water. And um, I'm super excited that we're back at this. I really am. I am. This has been a, the, 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 the Mona Lisa of my life right now. How about you, Elizabeth? Let's see. Well, I also showered because I was going to be on this. That's probably the main reason. I put makeup on for the first time in 41 days. And wow. my four-year-old said, Mommy, I like it when you have eyelashes. Did you always have eyelashes? And I was like, I don't have eyelashes. Like, no, but you have them. Like, really have them now. And I'm like, yeah, that's called mascara. Thank you. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that was good. I also got outside. It's been horrible and rainy here in New York. Um, like, all week and today was glorious. So I got outside, took a social distanced walk in the park. It was lovely. It was amazing. So that was definitely good. But like the highlight was definitely learning that my son likes it when I wear eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's cutting my hair and he said, Oh mama, I like your stringy hair. Which is oh yeah not a compliment. So <laughs> at least yeah. you're getting the crazy. I put on like a silver sort of jumpsuit the other day, and my, he goes, "Mom, you look, you look amazing." I'm like, "Really? He's like, yeah, you look like a robot." <laughs> robot with eyelashes. Uh -huh. yeah, that's a ten right there. That's all you need. <laughs> For four year old, please. <laughs> We're so grateful. So these robots have lots of great ideas. These robots have, these lashes have seen some things and they're going to bring them to the hood. So we welcome you to the couch. I guess we're on the couch. Let's cuddle in and, and get to it. So Hannah. Yes. Hannah and I recorded, how many episodes did we record this month? 
I think we did we record number four? Well, it depends because we re-recorded some and we've recorded one that we just have never discussed again. <laughs> it went into the vaults. Four. We'll go with four. Four. But the big one here is probably what everyone is. I don't want to say tired of talking about, but the big one is the COVID. Why did I call it the COVID? Like my mom calls the Facebook. COVID. <laughs> It'll be that pretty soon. I mean, everybody over 60 is going to be calling it the COVID. <laughs> and like, you remember the COVID? Yeah. We are elder millennials. So. Yes. I, facts. Facts. So we recorded this episode on COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And listen, I don't know how it came to be that we said, well, that was a lot. It was a lot. It was verbal diarrhea. It was... Well, we were we're recording from our closets now, Elizabeth, um, because it, it so absorbs sound. And I think it was also our first time recording in our closet. So we were just both real sad and alone and sitting in our closet. So it was just a long episode of us just kind of processing things. And while the the um, aesthetic of the podcast is pretty raw, we didn't feel like we had really put something out into the world that was adding value. <laughs> um, so we re-recorded and around that time we came across your article, um, which uh, Jackie, are we, we've shared it already on our Facebook page. So while we're chatting, if you wanted oh, to you. check back in with that um, or after this, you can check in with it, but it's um, the article is how to talk about COVID and um, you had such great mm-hmm. insights. Um, Jackie, was that your main impulse for reaching out? Yeah, man, I'm I'm telling you, it I feel like and I still if I'm thinking back to the week of March when this all went down, maybe March 16th or March 13th or something wild like that, like it was like life was so normal, 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 normal. And then it just completely just like boom, done. Like you're done. Your kids aren't going back to school. I think that's the biggest thing, right? For for me right now. It's like what? Um, and then there's this whole idea of like. I am an activist and I, this is your, this is a moment where you spring into action, but it's like, whoa, like life. And like, how do I spring? Like, what does action mean when you're not supposed to be around people and what, you know, like, it's like, I can't touch feel, but I read this article by the amazing Elizabeth Johnson. And I was like, oh, okay. Perspective. Take a deep breath. There's a way to have these conversations. What are the little, like it put me, kind of put me, not in check, but it was like, hey, you can still do shit. Like you could still like do what you do, but you just have to be cognizant and you have to know that there, it's a layered, it is a layered thing. And it watch, it was almost like, uh, I feel like you were a soothsayer, a crystal ball. What was Thank you. Wow. I'll put that one on my resume. Can you, can you, can you endorse me on LinkedIn with that exact quote, please? Yeah. <laughs> Oracle. Yes. Yes. So the article, and I wanted to bring it up. Um, yeah. And Robot so it was this there. <laughs> with lashes. Um, I know. I think. I think many of us are felt lost, and um, I thought that if we found Elizabeth, that she, you know, you would add so much value to not being lost in these COVID conversations and trying to be um, an activist or just be a person that gives, right? Because not everything's about the mask. I'll say that. Not everything's about. Um, you know, I don't have ventilators, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to help. Yeah. Um, 
And so I I just feel so grateful that she came. So what was the, well, I would say, what was the precipice for you in just putting this article out into the ether? And I'm going to put the article up in the chat. Great. Thank you for doing that. Um, well, thank you so much. That's wonderful to hear. Um, but it definitely was not just me. I work for, you know, an organization of incredible, brilliant people. And this is what we do all day, every day. We work on messaging and narrative. And we take these really difficult subjects like race, um, economic opportunity, criminal justice, immigration, pandemics, and we do research and we do a lot of messaging workshopping and we listen to activists in the field and cultural strategists. And we you know, spend a lot of time putting together and testing these narratives and these, these messages until we find um, the message that works. And for us, you know, so the Opportunity Agenda, it's a social justice communication lab. And we work with partners to move hearts and minds for lasting, lasting policy and culture change. And we really think that that hearts and minds piece comes first because you know you can have policy, but if you don't have people who believe in the culture or the values that that policy puts forward, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna see the change. So um, that's what we set out to do. And you know, I've been working with this team for seven years now. So when the pandemic hit, we knew exactly what was gonna happen. Um, we knew about race class disparity. We've worked in this for years. So we immediately were like oh my gosh, you know, this is going to, one, it's just, it's going to be horrible and that we need to listen to facts. But also before we can get into this whole um, debate about facts, you know, we need to really reach people's hearts and their hearts really. And we need to talk about equity and we need to talk about the fact that brown and black communities are going to be disproportionately affected by this pandemic. Um, we had to talk about the fact that what are we going to do with our criminal justice system with people who are imprisoned, who cannot socially isolate, what are we going to do? You know, how how do we message around immigration for all the people who are waiting for DACA, who are undocumented, who are they are the essential workers. You know, they are the ones who are you know preparing our foods and delivering our dinners. And what's going to happen to them during this crisis? They're on the front lines and they don't even have any protections, right? Um, so we all of the issues we've been working on for years were suddenly like you know they've been so critical. And we've been telling people these are critical issues and we're like, people are going to start seeing it. Um, most of the, our partners and activists and progressives see it. And we're all, you know, constantly having these discussions and, and raising these points. But there are people who I think haven't seen the disparities and haven't seen this side until the pandemic hit. And now it's all over the news. So I think there's a moment where there's um, folks who are suddenly activated and want to do something and want to know what to do and what to say. And, and so that's where we come in is, you know, we have our research and, and messaging. So, so I took everything, you know, I've learned and all of the messaging and narrative development that we've done at the organization. And I just sat down and I, I was like, I have to write something. So I put it into this, this article. So I'm really glad that it hit you and that it, you know, gave you some guidance. That's, that's exactly the point. Um, but you know, there's, there's, there's me, but behind me is this incredible team of, of researchers and strategists and communication experts. So it's, um, it felt really good to take something that we've been working on for years and, and, you know, to, to put it into writing and to have people respond so positively. Yeah. So, um, in the article, um, and, and a lot of what the Opportunity Agenda does is talk um, about value, problem, solution, action. So is there a, 
quick way that you can break that down um, for people who are just tuning in now and haven't maybe checked out the article yet? Yeah, definitely. So essentially the article was how do we talk about COVID um, in a way that's based in equity. Um, we are seeing right now, like this is, you know, this is an equity issue, um, whether it's racial justice, economic justice, immigrant justice, um, criminal justice, you know, this brings, it lays bare all of the inequities and the systemic problems that we have in this country and the great disparities in healthcare and opportunity and education. You know, we've got kids who are doing their online learning and then other kids who don't even have the internet or have access to a computer. Mm. So we're seeing this at such a quick pace and it's just, it's always there. Um, but I think a new audience, a, a new group of people are actually seeing it kind of and being face to face with it through the news or through their own community um, or their own experiences, seeing it in a new way for the first time. So we really wanted um, activists to have a central place to go and have just some very initial recommendations on how to talk about this. Um, so, you know, the, the essay essentially centers our language on making sure that we avoid racist rhetoric, making sure we avoid othering, um, making sure that we base our language and values and that we're very careful from the onset in how we talk about this because language matters. And immediately the narrative, I mean, this is totally new. Like we haven't had a pandemic in more than a hundred years. So this is a chance where whatever narrative gets out there first, you know, it has the risk of sticking. So we, and you know, we as activists, we in the racial justice sphere, we need to push the narrative out there, the positive narrative, the inclusive narrative. And we really just like a drum need to follow that narrative over and over and, you know, get that narrative out there. So that's the narrative that wins. And that's the narrative at the end of, and, and at the end of the day that people walk away with and say, wow, we've got some problems in this country and we've got to fix them. Um, and we, you know, we, we had to fix them years ago, but perhaps now we can, we're all seeing this in a way that I think is unprecedented. So if we could get people on board and to find a way to talk about this and you know, essentially it's based in values. So that's what you brought up BPSA. Um, it's sort of our bread and butter approach to um, messaging. You should always start with shared values. Um, it's very easy to start with a problem. I think that's all we're hearing right now is like, this is the problem, that is the problem. And that gets overwhelming, but it also gets divisive because people can fall on either side of the problem. Also solutions can be divisive, you know, which solution to use. So if you just start the conversation with, we need this solution or we need, you know, here's the big problem, you'll lose people, you'll alienate people immediately. Um, one thing that our research has shown that if you start with a value, like the value to, for safety, right? The value for healthcare, um, the value to life. I think almost everybody can agree that we all deserve to feel safe, that we all deserve access to quality healthcare, that we all deserve access to an education. It's, it's, it's hard to find people who disagree with that. So start there and then you are already opening up people's minds and then from there, you pivot to the problem. So we all you know, deserve um, access to education. Let's use that as an example. However, in this pandemic, while some privileged children are at home safe, um, you know, able to socially distance and online and 
keeping up with their peers. There are children who are home who are not safe, who do not have lunches, who do not have food because that was provided by the schools, who also could be in you know very unsafe living conditions, and they do not have access to computers or even the internet sometimes. So you know that's the problem. Um, and people are already okay overwhelmed with this. So the next step immediately after you address the problem, you know, always re repeat the value and then go to a solution. So one solution, there's short-term solutions and then there's long-term solutions. So this solution is always dependent on what kind of um, action you're advocating for. So it could be, you know, get the government to provide funding so that we can get laptops for all of these children, or it could just be, you know, a broader problem about the inequities um, in our education system and passing policies so that, you know, to remove some of those barriers for children living in poverty. Um, and then finally, this is the most important piece. Don't just end at the solution, but move to an action. And that is um, dependent upon what you want your audience to do. Um, it can be as simple as sign a petition or get involved with, uh, you know, your local organizations, your local nonprofits, do something more specific about passing a specific bill. So that's really what VPSA is. It's, it's tried and true. Um, and it's a great way to sort of lead our minds, particularly people who um, care about an issue, but might fall on kind of either side of this fence. Or, you know, they're, persuas they're persuadable, but, you know, you have to reach them in a way where you're talking about values that, that we can all identify with and you're engaging them and, and, and opening their hearts to the issue. And then you're walking them through sort of their process of, you know, what the problem is, what the solution is, and then finally what they can do. Because I think, I mean, what we're seeing right now is people just want to take action, but we feel overwhelmed because so much of the news is not solution oriented. It's just problem, problem, problem. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we really are proponents of solution oriented journalism where, you know, it provides a solution and provides action for people to follow. I'll tell you this, just like in digesting what you're saying, I think, um, one thing that hits home with the way we try to do business is that it's super important that we have the same working definition of whatever it is that we're doing right before we even get into the work because your idea of uh, and I'll say this that that really was pulled out of using you guys as um, the American Sun um, pamphlet that we used to like what is safe what does safe mean to you like yes we all want safe communities okay but what that what does that mean to you because a safe community means something different for me than it does for Hannah, than it does for you, Elizabeth. And um, how do we how do we merge those things or get those values in our own corner of the world? So I think if one thing that I listen, it's like where I may have been a child that was underprivileged, I'm not, I have not been an adult that was underprivileged in the sense mm -hmm. of economic right because I'm black I'm always gonna do that like that doesn't that doesn't change that has its own set of challenges but I think in those two things knowing myself as a black American and then as a person of privilege there is there there is this guilt there sometimes with mm -hmm. trying to um, act on ones on other people's not on their behalf but act in a sense where I'm pulling pulling the right issues to the forefront without um making people feel like um i'm acting like i'm not i'm no better than you and and yeah. savior sort of stuff right yeah. yes so i and i'll yeah. give an example it's like a couple um weeks ago now it was last week 
there was a gentleman in our in our community that was like, yo, I'm I'm pressed, I'm stressed. If the city if the if the if the city decides to furlough, like I don't know what the heck I would do. I don't know what I'm gonna do, right? Like, and I was just like, uh, and you know these people, right? You they work with you, they're actors just like you. And it's like, wow, like where do I come from on that? Like, I'm just trying to get this the school system to do the right thing, but here it is, their whole. So I think what you guys did or what you've done here is really help people say, hey, narrow the scope. Like what, there are so many issues. So what's that thing that is like pushing you and and support the people that have those, the other things going on, but find your thing, be, do that one action, do that one thing on there. Because like I said, there's a, I don't need anything right now. There's no wants. And that is like such a blessing, but like, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want, you don't want to have that, that's like she said, savor complex of, of um, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people. Oh, go ahead, Hannah. No, 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 please. Well, I was just saying that, I mean, I think we've all seen these discussions online about sort of the guilt um, and, you know, the conversation shifting. At first, there was sort of this, we're all in this together. But the truth is, is we are all in this together, but not everybody is in the equal spot, right? Um, you know, there's like a good metaphor that it's one big storm, but we're all in very different boats. So what this looks like, what this pandemic looks like and feels like for one person is completely different from another person. And sadly, this is also, you know, based on race class lines is what we're seeing and on, on this privilege. But just because you are in a comfortable home and you have a yard and you know, you don't, you, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. I mean, that's where allyship comes up. Um, you know, you can be an ally for communities who are more vulnerable. Um, it's really important at this time. There's so many ways to get involved. Um, here in New York, we have the, what we are calling the clap o'clock, which is incredible. Everybody, I don't know if you've seen it or heard it online or on the news, everybody claps and it started out clapping at seven o'clock for essential workers. Um, and it's turned into like banging pots and pans and honking horns and it's unbelievable. It's just like, it's like a marathon of noise, you know, cheering, screaming, people are walking up and down the streets. Um, and, you know, that's absolutely wonderful, but we have to take it a step further. You know, we are clapping for the same people that often we are voting against. You know, we're clapping for the same people that often we are not, you know, advocating for as far as their labor rights, as far as their criminal justice rights, as far as their, um, immigration status. So, you know, many of us who are activists are doing this work, but, you know, I would push people who are clapping and who are posting things online to take it a step further and to, you know, find a local organization, whether it's a racial justice organization, criminal justice, you know, find your issue, like you said, Jackie, what are you passionate about? And find a local organization that's advocating for this. And, you know, go learn some more. Um, there might be a petition you can sign, you could probably call your legislator, you know, there's so many things you can do. Um, but yeah, just take that next step. Uh, I think that's really important. And, and there's small ways to do it. There's so many ways online you can do it um, just by sharing an org or even like I said, going online and they will, they will provide the action for you. And can we not underestimate the, the, the power of emailing and legislator? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's, I'm glad to hear you say that because I've been doing it and I just sometimes it, it feels it can also feel like, you know, you get an email back and you I don't know, sometimes you can feel like it's not enough, but it, it but it is. And also so is um, our very our very first episode um, kind of happened 
before we were really, we were going to go in a totally different direction before the pandemic, but our very first episode um, was about um, calling it COVID, calling it Corona, not calling it the Asian flu or, um, and we were, the point of that episode was to, to say that. And even though numerous other places were saying it, it feels like even if the point is just to um, reinforce the importance of words and to unpack why that was important, um, that, that can still be a point in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I want to really important right now. <laughs> so important. Listen, I, it's a, it is a verbal, it is verbal warfare is real in everything. And it's, sometimes it is what you say on top of what you do. So we've got a couple of people out there and tell us like, what are you, is there anything that you're doing right now that you makes you feel like you're helping for racial, economic or health equity, or that you, or maybe you're looking for something to get involved in. Um, The link to the article is in the chat box. Uh, So you can take a look there and there's even also a messaging tool too. So if you're, um, I think one of the things you brought up, Elizabeth, was that uh, what you're right, words matter, particularly because we're at a time where everyone's online and everyone's got something to say. And um, sometimes those words that you may be saying online, you don't know, or you do know. Uh, the 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 harm that they could do to uh, your your community. Um, I've found myself many times saying, "Is it time to get to to clean up my feed because there's some real ugly that comes out, or um, or or is it you know I love all kinds of opinions, so it's like, or is it I just need to realize that those people are out there, and that's why it matters that we." continue to do these sorts of things and have these sorts of conversations that provide folks with outlets because there are people out there that totally think that all it is a Chinese virus and that, you know, that the black and brown people are in this situation because they're just not as smart or they're just like, it's, it's so important that we continue to do, it's a reminder, I guess, um, for that. So I'd say one thing you do is really, yeah, check, check your feed, check what you're putting out there. <laughs> check. <laughs> and really hone in on what what is it that you want to put into this world and what does that look like as a real action that's that with intent activism with intent mm-hmm. yep but you am yeah and one more thing is just you know um at the beginning there were so many i mean obviously you know there there are a lot of actually um messaging guides out there right now that are saying words that you should use terms that you should use terms that you shouldn't use. We're actually developing one right now. We have a COVID-19 messaging toolkit on our website, which we just put up on Friday. I'm super excited about it. So if you go to opportunityagenda.org, you can access it from the homepage. And it already has um, a specific messaging memo um, on criminal justice and for those people who are in prison and about compassionate decarceration. Um, There's also a memo on paid leave and how important that is right now, paid Mm -hmm. leave for all. Um, so because you should be able to take time and not lose your job. You should not have to choose between a paid check and your own health. Um, and then we have more general memos and the next one we're coming out with is just exactly that. Like what you should use, what you should call a pandemic, what you should really avoid, even like ableist language. Like, you know, at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, well, don't, you know, don't worry. It only affects old people and people with autoimmune diseases. Well, that's ableist. You know, there's so many people who have underlying conditions. Um, and that's 
placing value on people who are healthier, um, yes. more value on them than those who are not. And that is also not okay. Are you saying that these lives are more valuable than those? So there's just so many traps out there. Um, and it's hard and it's okay. So not everybody has all the words. We're all learning this as we go. Um, for a lot of people who are activated now, this is a totally new terrain. I mean, for those of us who've worked in the social justice space, we're more equipped. Um, but that's why, you know, I do the work I do and why the opportunity does the work we do is that we try to provide people those tools. So, you know, if you go to our website, um, there's all sorts of tools. We have 10 lessons for talking about race. That is an amazing tool. Um, it's really like how to have these difficult conversations about race. Um, and so, yeah, it's great. And there's so many other organizations, you know, America's Voice, United We Dream, Family Values at Work, Race for the orgs who are putting up messaging and tools around how to about COVID-19. So there are resources out there. So speaking of those resources, um, I um, was looking through um, the toolkit and um, I, my background is in acting and I've always loved storytelling and that's at the heart of what I have always sought to do because I do think that there's something about a, a story that can unite people and opportunity agenda really draws on the power of the narrative like you were talking about in the beginning. Um, so our last episode um, was about the numbers being um, so stark that if people mm -hmm. didn't see or weren't awake to the disparity um, across class, across race, this pandemic and by the numbers, um, when they're pulled out, you can see marginalized um, communities suffering at higher rates, dying at higher rates. And so our last episode talked about how that data was so important to collect. Um, but one of the things that I saw, um, I think it was in the toolkit, was that facts turn people off and values turn people on. And mm -hmm. I am trying to um, think about how to navigate things that we talk about because those numbers were so strong and do wake people up. But then what would we do mm -hmm. about um, the real the real thing, which is the truth of what you guys are saying, which is that facts turn people off and stories <laughs> activate and unite yeah. and speak to our hearts? That's a really good question. Thank you for that. We get that a lot. Um, you know, obviously, especially right now, science and facts is so important. And, you know, there's, I mean, by our administration, there's so much opposition already to just scientific facts, mm -hmm. that that alone is an upwards battle. And we are completely, um, you know, on the side of pushing forward facts and and science. Um, but what we're saying is it's not to ignore that or leave it out of your messaging, but that if you jump into a whole bunch of statistics, some people just get lost, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it gets very confusing. So there are ways to include those statistics. We still would say start with the value, right? Like everybody deserves a value to um, the value of access to quality healthcare or just the value to life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to say, however, you know, we're seeing a disparity where, you know, um, black communities are two to three times more likely to to die of this, you know. Um, so it's it's about framing it. It's what we call it social math. So it's about framing it um, in a way where you're not saying like 1.5 million people over 50 months. You know, you're not using these more technical statistics. You could say something like, a, you know, a football field full of people or, you know, entire schools, like, you know, a hundred schools of people or you know, to sort of visualize the statistics. 
Um, you know, a, a common one is like, okay, so there's a Starbucks on every corner. Well, you know, you, there are gun shops, you know, two times that. So people are like, oh, wow, I see Starbucks, you know, on every corner. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that, that really tells me something. So you have to get a little bit creative. Um, and it's totally okay to use real facts and statistics. You know, we use that in our writing all the time. But just don't lead with them and don't get overly technical. Um, and I should just state that I'm kind of pulling these these uh, examples out of my head. I haven't like validated <laughs> the numbers. I just thought I don't have anything in front of me, but I'm just using them as examples. So I don't want to say that there, you know, yeah. I know there are more gun shops than Starbucks, but I don't know if it's two for every block. So just <laughs> that. no, it's but, locked yeah, and loaded. Too late, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm repeating yeah. it at cocktail parties now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you have to be careful with that. I'm like, oh wait, I need to get my notes on that because we actually we have a slide on that, so I can reference that and post it later. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's too important, you know, even as you try and just with you saying, hey, like I just that's just an example in in this work. What I think I've learned the most is to grant myself some grace um, with having the information, with knowing like I know what I know. I don't know. I What I don't know is a far more than what I do know. And particularly in this situation, things are so fluid and they are so uh, they they morph overnight and it's okay to not have all the answers if you're the person that people look to for the answers. Um, it's okay to, in these conversations, maybe maybe you used a word that once you read uh, the Opportunity Agenda's messaging toolkit, it said, hey, don't do that. Like, you can grant yourself some grace and be... Um, um, and be a leader in the sense of saying, you know, what I learned was this was acceptable, but you know, this, this, what I said was this. And so here's how you come from a point of growth. And I think as we transform and, and do this dance with COVID, I don't necessarily want to dance up close with it, but as we dance, as we dance with Quick it, we, dance. yeah, <laughs> social dancing. <laughs> but as we do this dance, realize that sometimes we may step on some feet, but, you know, that we can still keep dancing, right? We can still keep moving. And um, your sphere of influence may be two, three, a hundred people, whatever it is, you have, there's a responsibility there to, as you dance and you step and you realize, ah, that's not the step we want to take. It's to just, maybe that's like my mom, I had to have a conversation with my mom. She was like, well, black people can't get COVID in the beginning. This is before it hit America. And I said, okay, let's, I'm just being honest, right? That's a small, that's someone really close to my circle of influence that had this myth that was going through the internet. And I felt responsible because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the prodigal child. <laughs> No, I cannot Just, emphasize that enough. I mean, I I hear you, and my my dad has said things too. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, it's it's with anything new. Um, you know, we're gonna make mistakes, and there's rumors going around there. And so the last thing we need right now, on top of all the stresses we have, this is absolutely exhausting. This is you know dramatic for many people. This is you know so stressful on an emotional and physical level and mental level. The last thing we need is to guilt ourselves for getting something wrong. I mean, we, you know, we say assume best intentions, um, maybe not for the opposition, for, but for people who are new to the activist space. Um, mm-hmm. And we're all going to make mistakes. We're all making mistakes and it's okay. Um, you know, there's just, 
I think we're all about transparency and having these conversations like this podcast is like, you know, talking about race, talking about economic opportunity is, is difficult and it can be really awkward and it's okay. You know, I think and the last thing we want is to get into a real fight about somebody saying the wrong term, but I think it can be like an, a, le a learning experience, right? Not to be too cheesy. <laughs> Sounds like after school special, but it is, you know, it's like, oh, I mean, I've, I've learned myself. I worked, you know, I've worked in um, social justice for almost 10 years and, you know, a colleague pointed out to me um, not too long ago that, you know, we were just talking about some of the horrific um, racial uh, offenses that were happening in the South. Um, you know, with blackface and some of these other things, this was pre-COVID. And and I, I kept commenting, um, you know, a certain case uh, that was happening in the South. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I keep hearing of all this stuff. And like, oh my gosh, the South this, the South that. And my colleague who's black and who's from the South is like, you know, it happens in the North too. It's not just the South. And I had to check myself because my framing was, you know, the one explicit we were talking about did occur in the south but blackface here. is not I think, just i think we can say it it's here it was in virginia yeah, right exactly of course, let's name it. but we know. <laughs> it's not just the south i mean there have been cases right. of this in the north and all over america and all over the world so i had to rethink my framing i mean that itself was kind of you know a, a, a biased comment so you know we all make mistakes and i think it's really important to think about that and the only way we could get through this is really understanding how deep this all goes, how deep this sort of systemic injustices go and, and that what some of us don't see, others have not only seen, but experienced their whole lives. And so it does take a lot of listening. I think that's one more lesson that if you wanna get involved, if you wanna be an ally for black and brown communities, um, you know, you can, you know, jump in and start, you know, messaging, but you know, maybe the first step, if you're not quite sure what you're saying is to just listen and to ask, how can I help? Um, I think that's really important right now. And that's totally, okay. you don't have to be, you know, on the front lines right away. Um, yeah. A lot of it is about listening and learning and, and checking your own biases and, and asking yourself deep questions. Mm -hmm. And I'd even add to that, that that's not just for people that are not black and brown. That is also for people that are black and brown because we live on a spectrum. <laughs> I, I try to say this, look, we listen to everything from Dr. Dre to Coldplay, okay? Like they're all kinds of black and brown people. It's the truth, right? And so understanding that sometimes your experiences are you, you know, are unique. Sometimes they're not so unique. That doesn't mean that um, your own experiences are everyone else's experiences within your particular community. So I think that too, we have to live in a space where we understand as a minority whatever that looks like, um, that we too have different lived experiences in these spaces of what it looks like to have or feel discrimination or have or feel struggle or whatever. It's all it's all relative to um, to who we are and where we come from. But I think like we can also understand that there are some underlying things that are across the board the same. So I just want to I say that because I said, like, I have, I've learned that there have been struggles. It's not that it's not the same. Uh, it's the, the things that my, my sister is going through as an adult are definitely not the same tragedies that I'm going through as an adult, which is not the same thing as my neighbor. Um, um, yeah. I just get out of struggle, get out of struggle porn. That's a <laughs> struggle porn <laughs> with ourselves. Yeah. 
empathetic to our own people because I do find sometimes as a black person, as a person my, that we are hyper judgmental of each other on that same, mm-hmm. on that same, if we have better experiences or not so great experiences. So it's everybody. So even if you're showing up in black and brown communities and you're a black or a brown person, you there's a point where you have to listen to, right? You gotta sit back and see that if you haven't lived in that community, there's an opportunity for to take in what's going on in that community so that you can be a real service, not just by your own idea. You know, we're connected, but sometimes the need is very different. Definitely. Yeah. And I think we, you know, we talk a lot about uh, experts. So right now we're just hearing like the scientists, the politicians, the pundits, and, you know, we say, well, who, who are the real experts? Yes, they have like their academic degrees, but, you know, they're all trying to solve, you know, the problem of the community. Like, let's listen to what the community feels they need. They're the es- experts. They're the ones who are living through this and are unable to, you know, socially distance or, you know, don't have food on the table because their kid doesn't have, um, they don't have jobs because, you know, they have to choose between getting ill or just getting a paycheck. So let's listen to, you know, communities have been working together. Community activism is so old and so deep. It's been around forever. Um, And I think what we do at the Opportunity Agenda is we have a whole um, sort of narrative wheel where the first step when we're drafting our narrative messaging is we really go to um, activists in the field and we just listen to what their issues are and we try to work with them um, because we really believe that those directly affected, are they're the ones with the answers um, and that we need to listen. Those in power need to listen to them. Um, they have voices. They're not voiceless. <laughs> they have, vo- you know, like and everybody has a voice. I don't like that term like, oh, you know, Ooh. give a voice to the voiceless. They all have a voice. They've been, they've been, voicing what they need for you know decades so i think it's just about you know particularly with media um sharing that and making sure that there's opportunities out there um that they're at the table and when coming up with some of these solutions here's so levon says right thank you the community is the first stop that should hold the narrative and the power yeah definitely yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The first time that I ever met Jackie um, was at a community conversation about um, yoga and race. And in that conversation, it was talking about um, decolonizing your feeds. And that was like a, I, I, don't, I, I will not be, I guess, I'm disappointed that it hadn't happened in a more mm-hmm. um, concentrated way before that. But I've, it's been so dramatic for me just to follow different activists um, with people who look different from me on Instagram so that regularly and now more regularly than I'd care to admit, I'm, I'm on Instagram and I'm seeing different perspectives and I'm, 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 I am able to listen in that way. Um, so for me, that's been a way without bombarding myself. Um, it's been a, it's been a focused way to find people who I want to hear from them, what their perspective is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's the thing is you want to hear, you want to hear, <laughs> you, yeah. you, you actually want to listen to. So I guess in all of this, right. And all that we've said and all that we, and like I said, if you got questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. Thank you, Yvonne, for your uh, comment. But yeah, we know all this stuff, but like, so, so now what? So where do we go from here? So what now what? Where do you think we go from here? Well, since I'm the Oracle, since you dumb me <laughs> The oracle. Let me get my crystal ball and I'll tell everybody. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll get my my eight ball and see what it says. Um, 
that's a really good question yeah i miss those things those were so much fun i did that for everything all my problems like am i gonna pass this test maybe my mom oh, still, maybe my mom still yeah. has pendulum so <laughs> those were the days when you just ask your eight ball what's gonna happen but um <laughs> yeah you bring up a really 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 like that's the question right now like where do we go from here and obviously you know, we're all trying to figure this all out um, in real time. Um, but I think there are some takeaways. Um, one, you know, this is a moment where we have a lot of eyes and ears. Um, for those of us in the social justice space, we've been doing this work for years. Um, and so we know the solutions. Uh, many of us have, you know, we know, we know what we need. Um, we know the narrative and we have new eyes and ears. So I think it's really about just being out there, being loud, taking the work we've spent and just being very strategic. And it, you know, to the best of our capacity as organizers, um, collaborating to make sure we're all saying the same thing and we're checking in with each other because it's extremely, it's, it's extremely exhausting at the same time. Um, I think that this right now is a moment for organizing. It's also more a moment for reimagining the world and reimagining America. Um, and it's also a moment for like pushing forward all the work we've been doing for so long. Like, you know, history has shown that after these times of, of, of just turmoil and, um, you know, just horrible things have happened, right? Like the Great Depression, World War II, this, you know, civil rights movement, you know, things grow from this. And, you know, there is a sense of reimagining um, the, the inequities that have been laid bare. And we need to decide collectively that we're going to push forward um, our vision of a better future that is more equitable, that is more just. And we have the tools. We've ha always had these tools. Um, now I think we finally just have a soapbox. So we just need to continue to collaborate with each other. We need to continue to listen to communities who are in the thick of it. Like I already said, think about messaging, start with values, um, be solutions oriented. Don't fall into problem fear tactics. Think about future over fear. Like this is an extremely scary time. It's easy to get just swallowed up by the fear. But we need to put the future first. We're in this for the long run. Um, so I think it's a really important time to just, you know, activate, um, you know, activate your your base, essentially. Um, organizers, we, we all have a base. Let's get activated. And if you're not an organizer, if you're just a person who's suddenly at home, activate yourself. You know, there's so many creative ways to do that, um, which we've already mentioned. I don't know. What do you two think? <laughs> What, is, well, what are your eight the soothsayers gone? <laughs> How do we follow that? Yeah. Um, Jackie, what about what about you? What's your so what now what? So I guess my so what now what? Because I'm in the thick of it, right? And I feel like there's there's a um, my chest has been very tight. I will say the past week or so because there are so many things to sink sink into. Um, and if I keep looking this way, it's because I keep looking at my board. I keep looking at it like, but here's the beautiful thing. So like, so what, as I think, as Elizabeth said previously that, you know, if you've been trying to do this work of social justice for a while, this is like not news. So many people know, like, this is not news. Like, I'm just like, ah, vindication <laughs> right now. Like, because there's data to support, like there, 
can't turn your eye away from what is actually happening, whereas we've had leadership that has been able to turn. You, you can say, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. Here's a possible solution, here's a possible solution, here's a possible solution. And they can just completely about face you because it's not, no one's watching, right? Because no one's watching. Well, the world is watching, which is a beautiful thing. And like I said, there's data to support it. But I think the biggest now what for me has been and and something that I think I think I told I, t I told you and I'm working on this week is, is that there are people out there working with clay. There are people out there working with Legos. There are people out there with their um, with their uh, paintbrushes. Um, there are people out there with their chalk and they're all trying to build something great. And they're that great for better for our communities and the now what for me personally is to i strategically need those 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 lego people because you know they've got some bricks already set apart right like come on bring your bricks i need those clay people because you know they're imagining doing that whole thing of reimagining the world and just shaping things with what they got you know i need those chalk folks because i need some people that can wipe away and redo again you know like it's just i'm serious so i, I think the now what is it, it really is that relationship building which has been a huge deal and a huge um slowly releasing pressure from my chest and people's willingness to step up so if you're in a position where you feel like and there, I know there's somebody on here. You know, I'm talking to you. Where I, I know that there here that that you're in a position where you have something that you're passionate, and they here it goes, comments, that you have something that you're extremely passionate about. That it now is the biggest opportunity that we have to link arms and be the strongest link that we can for our communities. Um, so even if you don't have the answers, reach out. And then let's like let's connect and get some shit done. Like that's that's what it is right now. So that's the now what is you don't have to have the answers, just bring your tools and let's do some stuff. Yeah, you mentioned something that I would be totally remiss not to emphasize, which is the role of artists and creatives. Um, that is also a huge part of what we do at the opportunity agenda. I mean, we work with you know comedians, with musicians, with visual artists, with you know, cultural strategists. That is huge. I mean, they are they are doing so much right now. I'm, I think that's for me every day, the thing that brings me up that kind of mm -hmm. gives me hope is when I'm online and I'm just seeing some incredible mural that's been painted or some artistic collaboration or, you know, like, you know, DJ Nice who's out there bringing joy to people. It's incredible. I mean, we have so much talent out there. There's so much creativity. Um, and, you know, that's really what keeps people going through this. Like without art, I don't know where we'd be. I, I just, I really don't. Um, and the combination of art and communications and collaborating, you know, collaborating um, with cultural strategists is so important because, you know, without, without culture, without shifting hearts, it's really hard to kind of shift people's minds. That's why we say, you know, we're in the work of shifting hearts and minds. Um, and artists are the, you know, they're the dream makers. So they're the ones out here who are visioning a future. They're the ones who are, you know, just making the world beautiful right now when it's really scary and horrifying. So I can't say enough. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Literally and figuratively, because yeah. literally, literally <laughs> art and figuratively, you know, there's, there's strategic minds, there's artistic minds, there are creative minds, but they all are doing some great things, as you said.
What about you, Hannah? Well, we got a comment I want to make sure we get to. Um, this is not to stall. I've got mine. I have it written down so I can prove it. But I do want to make sure I get this comment in. LaVon says, when it comes to the future in cities facing cuts versus surplus, do you think that this is this across the board from education services and opportunities will be the will the black community be most likely to experience those cuts? If so, how can we can't combat those hardships? Could we prepare for those hardships, especially in disadvantaged communities? Yeah, that's a real question. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not an expert on that per se. I'm not an economist, um, but you know, I think that this person is right. That unfortunately what we're seeing is um, black and brown communities are gonna be you know, disproportionately affected and, and that's really tough. So I think, you know, what we do at the opportunity, what I do is it's about messaging. So um, bringing the attention around this and calling out the inequity and the unfairness of this is the first step. Um, you know, putting pressure on elected officials and those who are making the decisions to to stop this. And and just, you know, there are, there are economic opportunity organizations or racial justice organizations. Color of Change is a fantastic organization um, that are already doing the work. Um, race forward. Um, you know, there's so many community change. There's so many organizations out there. So um, I would, you know, defer to them um, really to answer that question. But, but yeah, I mean, we need that the first step is to just um, get loud. We have our theme this year is justice out loud. So we just need to get loud about the need for justice and the fact that this is completely unacceptable, unconscionable. Yeah, and Race Forward has, and I don't correct, I, I don't want to misspeak. Um, I'm looking for, I'm looking for right now the, there you go. Race Forward has this thing uh, or tool resource called GEAR, Government Alliance on Race Equity, that uh, if you take, yeah, GEAR is really dope in the sense of really looking at how to have, it's actionable and it's a whole like a whole look at what the government what your locality could possibly do to bring those sort the, the the sort of equity equity that you're talking about levon to the table on top of that i would say one of the things that one of the last meetings that i had before um covid took over was with the police chief in our city <laughs> and he said he said, sometimes you have to you have to um, manage your message, but also help people feel the shame in their actions. <laughs> he said he, he said he said, unfortunately, it, sometimes leaders that are in certain positions need to feel need to understand they need to understand how shameful some of the things that they're doing and it's perfectly okay to bring those things that would be shameful to light particularly with those communities um that you're talking about and that's not to say that it's negative messaging but it's saying like you kind of said before yeah you have one starbucks and two of two two gun <laughs> why is that you know we what won't i mean say the number but but more right, right, right. Until I find however many, however many. Back. Yes, so got, i don't want yeah. fake news no okay no no but more fake news. So i'll use a different one you have um five liquor stores and one library in this whatever sort of area do you know what I mean? Like there is a way to do that in a way to to um, to get across exactly what you're talking about, Levon, particularly, I think, with 
the furloughs and the cuts that the city is doing to social services, because that's what's happening right now is that in the city of Norfolk, where I am, Japan's and Virginia beaches that they're cutting, not only are they getting rid of jobs, but they're also cutting social service, people, <laughs> people serving um, um, programs. So I think, you know, Yvonne, we're, we got work to do together. It, it kind of feeds perfectly into um, something, that, well, I think perfectly, but maybe that's a strong word. It feeds nicely, I'll say, into my so what, now what, which is um, I feel great permission from what you were saying, Elizabeth, to um, to let go of the overwhelm and to focus in mm -hmm. on the things that, that I, I feel really strongly about, to not spread myself too thin, but to listen deeply on the to the topics that I really want to pursue. Um, and for, for me, um, that starts with uh, tomorrow, the ACLU Virginia is doing specific um, uh, webinar about voting. And then um, after that, they've got oh, a yeah. series of things um, about the marijuana, marijuana um, law changes. Um, so it's a lot about um, understanding your rights. And these are all webinars and we have linked it on our Facebook page. Um, I can go back and relink it under this yeah. chat. Um, so, so those are free and um, open to the public. And so I'm going to go attend those. So I feel like I have a better grasp of um, what's happening and understanding specific laws in my area, because I think a lot of the problem too is now just hearing a lot of misinformation and getting overwhelmed and kind of spinning out mm -hmm. and then just shutting down. And I want to um, not shut down. I want to engage in a focused, clear way. And I think um, I'm going to do it through listening and then taking action or That's taking right. action to listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, either right. or. Sort of like chicken or the egg, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things. Yeah. And finally, I think thing. the last thing I would say, I'm sorry, is just um, compassion. I think we just need to be compassionate right now. And I mean, this is just about humans and human rights at the baseline. Um, and people are going through so much. And even those of us who are privileged, you know, um, we can't be an activist all day, every day. And it's okay to just take a break. Um, it's exhausting. You know, you have to replenish yourself first before you can help other people. Um, but yeah, you know, I hope that um, through this podcast and through some of the resources we put out there, we've given folks uh, a little bit of direction, um, you know, about and in, 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 in actual resources to check out on how they can take action and how they can help in, the, in this time. Elizabeth, thank you so, so much for coming and joining us and sharing this information. Of course, my I, pleasure. Yes, and if you guys didn't already know, I'm going to put this in the, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and show that. The opportunity agenda is um, Elizabeth's place of work <laughs> that uh, is doing a phenomenal job in just being a light at the end of the tunnel. So if you are feeling lost and you got a little bit of flicker on this on this uh, live, go to opportunityagenda.org and go ahead and flip the switch on. It's gonna get bright, but you'll feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, so many resources there that are really helpful. Definitely. So we thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Levon, for your comments. Um,
who else? And and John D put a nice little uh, YouTube link on, I, I think it was on equity in the uh, chat box. But if you guys have any further questions, do not hesitate to, I was going to do, you know what? My kids have been watching um, um, Kim Possible. So I was going to say, call us, beep us if you want to reach us. But, you know, <laughs> you can't beep us. Because uh, <laughs> there are no pages that you <laughs> But no, if you want to meet us, <laughs> all this running, I was trying to come up with a response, but everything I've got in my head is just bump, 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 pig. So, thank you guys for joining us. We hope that you guys are able to make it a great evening. As always, stay open, stay curious, and make it a great day closer to history. Good night, you guys. <laughs>